Good morning. I'm Jackie Bowe, and I'm going to read the scripture today. And uh, if you'd like to follow in the Bibles in your pews, that's on page 1015. This is close to the end of the Bible, the New Testament. So that's 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. And at the conclusion of my scripture reading, I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord. And then we would like you to repeat, thanks be to God. Okay? This is 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thanks be to the word of the Lord. Thank you. Good morning. Great to see you all this morning. It's fun that Chris asked me to have the chance to preach on future hope. And so naturally I felt like a message should have three points. I want to make it very quick today. I hope that Mahomes plays well. I hope that our secondary shuts down Burroughs and Chase, and I hope the Chiefs win. That's your three points for the day. Let's pray and go home. What do you say? You're not getting off that easy. But let's do pray just, for, just very quickly. Father, we do pray that in this time that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts, that we would hear from you. Father, we do need hope. We are a people that need Hope. Father, we thank you for Hope Community Church and that, that just the name of this church can reflect the deep needs of each heart here. So we ask that in this time that you would be glorified, you would be lifted high, and that the words spoken, we pray that they would be from you. And if anything is not from you, take it away, cast it into the deepest sea that we would remember it no more. But those things that are from you, may it take root deep in our heart, um, that it would bear fruit because of you. We look to you alone for our hope this day. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting that uh, I'm sure that if we went around the room and we talked about movies that you might know every line to, it would be interesting. And, you know, there, there might be, you know, actually lots of movies that I feel like at this point in life I've learned a lot of the lines. I guess I could probably say most of The Princess Bride and Maybe Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I don't want to give myself away too much, but I would guess that there would be movies that you know a lot of those lines. And one movie that I know a lot of the lines, just because I've watched it so many times, because it's on all the time, is The Shawshank Redemption. It's a beautiful movie. It's a 1994 film that tells the story about two men, Mandy Mandy Dufresne and Red, played perfectly by... Morgan Freeman in that role, and it's about a prison that's up in Maine, and it's about an escape from prison, but it's not a movie about an escape from prison. It's a movie about friendship and hope, and it's a movie about two men trying to survive day by day underneath this warden who is terribly corrupt and trying to make their lives miserable, and uh, so it's just this movie about day by day survival. And it's a, really, it's a movie about Red 
moving from a place of being very, very cynical in life to actually becoming a man of hope. It's got some of the greatest lines in the world in the movie. Get busy living or get busy dying. It's amazing that that movie did not do well at all at the box office. Didn't win any Oscars. And yet over the years, it's just kind of ingrained itself in our culture, and it's become a classic movie about friendship and hope. Red says this, let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. And then at one point, Andy says, hope is a good thing. Maybe it's the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Fear can hold you prisoner, but hope can set you free. Hope can set you free. Those are powerful words. This week I had the chance to be with a couple that was really struggling in their marriage. And just as we just talked through things, it was just, it was dark. And as we just began to process more and more, uh, I just began to share with them just some of the basics of the gospel. And I said, I understand that it looks very dark right now, but I want you to know that as since, just as sincere as I can be, I, I have hope for your marriage. I have hope for what God can do here. And just to hear that word hope, I mean, she just began to cry. And she said, I've, I've lost all hope, and that's what I desperately need. I just need to feel some hope. And I think that's true of all of us. I love the fact that this church is Hope Community Church because we all long for that. We all long for that, and it's so good to know that we all have a future hope. Listen, it's a message that you will hear week after week from this place. It's about hope. It's about hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm very aware that for some of you here, it's hard to be here. It's just hard to be here. You're convinced that God is mad at you. You're convinced that God is angry. But inside, there's a deep desperation and there's a longing for hope, for meaning, for purpose, and for life itself. So what is our greatest hope? Our greatest hope is the fact that we have a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our greatest hope. If my marriage was perfect, if my kids were perfect, if my, if, if my thought life was pure, if my motives were always right... I wouldn't need to have a Savior, but because I'm not perfect, I don't need to pretend like I am because I desperately need a Savior. We can all freely acknowledge that. So the one aim I have here is just to encourage you with the future hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we heard about that future hope read just now. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So today I want to lay before you, and this is a little bit dangerous, don't worry, four marks of future hope. I like to usually have three things, but I just couldn't fit it in. So we're going to do four marks of future hope, all right? We're going to talk about the fact that there is a hope of God's promise, a hope of God's mercy, there's a hope of God's light, and there's a hope of God's freedom. So first of all, there's a hope of God's promise. All of us are searching in life for things that can be characterized by hope. We're after these things. What things are you trying to find? Are you thinking, well, uh, my hope is in the chiefs. My hope is in wealth. My hope is in being beautiful. 
Uh, my hope is in power. My hope is in creativity. My hope is in me just being completely in control of all things. It's my self-esteem. So as you search for hope in those things, how are things going? Listen, I'm not naive. I understand that in a room this size, there's going to be fears, there's going to be addictions, there's anxiety, there's isolation, there's depression, there's loneliness, there's days punctuated with just those cynical sighs. For some, our darkest fears in life can oftentimes actually define us. There are words spoken, things that we hear, and at times we lose hope and our world can begin to crumble. Hey, you know what? You have cancer. I don't love you anymore. Your son's at the police station. Your application has been denied. Your test came back positive. Very personally, he didn't survive the car accident. She's been placed on a ventilator. Far too real today. Those can be difficult words to hear. Listen, the thing that is most important in our hope is the Lord Jesus Christ, and the thing that divines that hope is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the cross. The cross helps us understand the fact that we have a future hope. Now listen, today needs to be very, very interactive, because I want to ask some questions, and I need some answers. So is that okay? Okay, that's, that wasn't very strong. Is that Okay. Okay, I, you know what, I need you today, because we're going to do some things back and forth here. First of all, I want to do a little history test, which might feel awkward to you, because you didn't, maybe you didn't do well in history. I didn't do great in history, but I always enjoyed it. So I'm just going to ask you some questions. You don't have to shout this out, but I do want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand if you feel very confident that you know the date of D-Day. D-Day. If you, okay, uh, if you know the date of D-Day... Okay, probably, probably 20 hands around the room. Okay, if you know the date of VE Day, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, I see uh, four hands around the room. If you know the date of VJ Day, I want you to raise your hand. Same four people. Man, those four people are smart. Maybe they should be up here this morning. <laughs> it's interesting because I've asked that question of a lot of different groups. In every group, all throughout my life, Several times more people know the date of D-Day than VE Day or VJ Day. Now listen, D-Day was a battle in World War II. VE Day stands for victory in Europe. That was the date the war was, was officially won. It was over on that date. VJ Day, victory in Japan, that's the date it was over. D-Day, June 6, 1944. VE Day, May 8, 1945. VJ Day, August 15th, 1945. Why do we know the date of D-Day, but not the date the war actually ended? Because for all practical purposes, the war was over on D-Day. We practically won the war on D-Day. Now listen, there was going to be a year more of battles and hard things, but after D-Day, it was absolutely known, it was decided the Allies are going to win the war. It's just a matter of when it's going to be officially, technically over. It's that amazing period between the already and the not yet. For you Chiefs fans, it's like Mahomes when he takes a knee and they walk on the field and they shake hands, but there's still time on the clock. You know when that happens? And the game is not over, but it's practically over. Listen, 
The cross of Jesus Christ was the day. When Jesus will come back one day, that's VE day. And we live in this amazing period between the two. We live in this period where we know the outcome. We know we are on the victorious side. We know that Jesus Christ will reign forever. There's still heartache in this life. There's still pain in this life. There's still hard things we have to go through in marriage and parenting and relationships and so on and so forth. But we absolutely know that because of Jesus Christ, there's a victory that's yet to come. That means we're on the winning side. That gives us great future hope. D-Day was the cross and the resurrection. Jesus Christ one day will come back and take us home. That's our ultimate victory day. It's a hard time now, but victory is secure because of what took place on the cross. And that is the most secure thing that we can have in a future hope. And Jesus Christ wasn't raised from the dead to bring us to a place of just being passive. He didn't return from the dead just to maintain status quo. Jesus Christ went to the cross and rose from the grave that we would know newness, that we would have recreation, that we would have new hearts, new marriages, new songs, new churches, new families, new neighborhoods, new cities. He is advancing his kingdom. And that is what gives us great hope. And that is one reason why the name change of this church to hope Community church is so powerful because it reflects that hope that we wait for. Point number two, we have hope that God is a God of mercy. We have hope in God's mercy. The passage says, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When we ask God for mercy, we are admitting for the fact that we need a Savior. We need a Savior. We need mercy. We need somebody to do something that we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus Christ exposed me at the cross, and through that exposure, I am now absolutely free. You see, at the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ said, hey, you know, Jimmy, he's a mess. He's going to fall short. He's broken. He's a sinner. He's going to be far from perfect, and he's in need of a Savior. Listen, it's one thing to admit that we're not perfect, Oftentimes when, when we say, well, I know I'm not perfect, in the back of our mind we're thinking, I'm a little bit better than you, uh, but I know I'm not perfect. I'm just a little bit of a step ahead of you. But it's another thing to admit that we need a Savior. But so often I think that we try to rationalize, we try to justify our situation. We say, you know what, I want to do my best, and my best has just got to be good enough. I'm not perfect, but hey, there's a lot of worse people in this world. I'm really, really trying God knows I'm not perfect, but I'm really, really trying. And then the ultimate, you know what? I'm a pretty religious person. I think I'm going to be okay. Don't ever forget, religion is the arch enemy of the gospel. And what we desperately need is the good news of the gospel. Because religion, it makes people nice, but the gospel makes people new. Religion reforms you on the outside, but the gospel transforms you on the inside. Religion says, hey, if you live a good life, then God will love you. And that's going to lead to a deadly place of both fear and pride together. The gospel says none of us are, in fact, good enough. We are absolutely far worse than we would ever possibly believe. That's humility. But through Jesus Christ, we are far more loved than we would ever dream possible. That's our hope, and that's our confidence. It says in Romans chapter 5 and verse, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, 
we have also obtained access by faith into this grace into which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope in the glory of God. Grace is the most transformational word in all of the scriptures. Grace will convince you of your unworthiness without ever making you feel unloved. That's what's so amazing about it. So how were grace and mercy accomplished? It goes back to the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. That's our hope. It's that we are profoundly loved. We can be powerfully changed by the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ died in our place. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. That is the apex of God's love. That is where we find our hope. So, point three. There's a hope in God's light. There's an amazing hope in God's light. It says you are a chosen people, God's special position, a people called out of darkness and into his wonderful light. The fact that we've been called away from darkness to his light, we have to understand theologically the power of that statement. And to help you understand that a little bit better, I want to do some more interactive. This time I do need you to speak out and speak up. Don't be nervous. I realize that you might think, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to scream out a wrong answer. It's okay. We're going to go back to third grade and play a game of opposites. I realize some of you, when you hear third grade, you get that tick, and it's like, oh my gosh, I love third grade. It was the best three years of my life. But anyway, we're going to go back to third grade, and so I'm just going to say some words, and I want you to say, what is the opposite of that word? It's quite simple. Here we go. What is the opposite of in? What is the opposite of over? What is the opposite of large? What is the opposite of backwards? What is the opposite of good? What is the opposite of light? What is the opposite of love? What is the opposite of God? See, that's where it gets a little tougher in the end, doesn't it? Okay, let's check your answers. Once again, it's like, oh man, that brings back some bad memories when you say that phrase, let's check your answers. The opposite of in is indeed out. Give yourselves a pat on the back for that. Great. The opposite of over is indeed under. The opposite of large is indeed small. The opposite of backwards is indeed forwards. The opposite of good, the opposite of good is not bad. Ba- good has no opposite. Listen to that. It's important theologically. Good has no opposite. Bad is to good as bread mold is to bread. There's no opposite. The opposite of light is not dark. Light has no opposite. They're not equal properties. If the room is dark and we have a flashlight or a candle, the whole room is illumined. But if there's a light room like we have right now and I have complete darkness in my hand, the light swallows up the darkness. They're not opposite properties. Light has no opposite. The opposite of love is not hate. If there's anything close to that, it would be actually indifference. Love has no opposite. And the opposite of God is not Satan. It's not the devil. God has no opposite. God is good. God is light. God is love. That's our hope, the fact that there are no opposites to that. And it's not like, well, okay, we are brought out of darkness into his light, but it's, it's kind of a back and forth, and these things are so close to each other, we don't know exactly which one has got the winning side. It's like, no, those, those things are not opposite. The beauty of the world 
in which God has called you into is more powerful than the darkness that he has called you out of. Pure truth and beauty, three more words that have no opposite. Listen, Psalm 136.1 tells us God is good. Psalm, Psalm 27.4 tells us God is beautiful. 1 John 1.5 tells us that God is light. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 tells us that God is love. 1 John, excuse me, John, John 14, 6 tells us God is truth. We could go on and on. We have that amazing hope that we don't have to have this fear of, well, gosh, you know, it is just this constant battle, and, and I want to have hope, but I believe that the darkness I'm in right now, I believe it is so overwhelming. I don't believe that the light can make a difference. The light will make a difference. Because the light of the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than the darkness in which you find yourself right now, no matter what that darkness is. And I realize there might be some very dark places here, but the light of the Lord Jesus is stronger than those things. We need to hold on to those truths. It's like that D-Day illustration. Once again, we're on the winning team. We're on the side that has the power, that has the strength, that has the goodness, that has the love, that has the light. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ offers us. And that gives us tremendous hope. Then finally, there's the hope of God's freedom. Hope of God's freedom. If you've heard me preach uh, 10 times or more, you've probably heard this story because it's a story that I come back to over and over again. Because I believe it's a story that really in one sense defines where lots of Christians find themselves. So we go back to World War II. We go back to the time of D-Day, and we go to that one year in between those two dates where there was a victory that was won, but there were still some awful things. There were still some hard battles. There were still some difficult, painful things in life. And probably the worst thing that still took place in that year was the horror of the concentration camps. And you go through the stories about Auschwitz and about Dachau and what took place there, and it's just absolutely heartbreaking as you just read the stories of what took place there. One of the worst concentration camps was Buchenwald. And it's fascinating, it's, it's horrifically fascinating, but there were not gas chambers there, but almost as many died there just from beatings and starvation and things that are far too horrific to mention in this type of a context. Buchenwald was freed. It was liberated by Patton and his men in April 1945, and it was an amazing day as the Nazis flee and the Americans come into this camp. And as they came into this camp, the horrors which they saw were beyond their worst nightmares. Because they walked into the first barracks, they saw Jewish men and boys stacked on top of each other, just often, I mean, just oftentimes dozens high, skin and bones, uh, just fear on their face, emaciated. It was just one of the worst sights. And the American forces said, you're free. The camp is liberated. The Allies have won the war. We've come to free you. And not one Jew moved. Nobody moved. Why? One, they didn't speak English. And two, the fact that people had come in in these uniforms and the people that had just fled were also, they're also in uniforms. They thought, these are just our new captors. 
they didn't understand that the camp had been liberated. They thought, these are just our new captors. Uh, nothing has changed. Things will just go on. And so nobody moved. Somebody began to figure out what was going on. And they made a, can- a, a call to Rabbi Herschel Schachter, who was an army chaplain who was about an hour away. A man who was a Jewish chaplain, he jumped into a jeep, drove as fast as he could. He got there in about an hour. And Rabbi Schachter walked into this first barracks and he just looked around and just saw all of the faces staring at him. And he said these amazing words in their own tongue. Shalom Alakim Yudim Zeret Fry. Peace to you, Jew. You are free. You're free. And as the chaplain made that announcement, you could just begin to see it on the faces of the Jews. It began to dawn on them what was happening. And first there was just a small trickle, but then it became a stream of Jews that began to run from barrack to barrack to barrack and to make that same announcement. You're free. We're free. The camp had been liberated. That one hour is an amazing hour. They were liberated. They were free. They'd been freed, and yet nobody moved. Nobody changed anything. Nobody believed it. That one hour, I think, is a picture of so many people that have been freed by the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet they still seem trapped in so much of their life. They still seem trapped in sin and doubt and fear and anxiety. We could go on and on. They're still trapped, and the message is, listen, you're free. You've been freed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we stay in the barracks. We don't believe it. You don't know my life situation. You don't know my marriage. You don't know my parents. You don't know my children. You don't know my work situation. You don't know my health situation. You don't know my financial situation. There is so much in my life that overwhelms me. I don't feel free. But listen, that's the message of the hope of the gospel is by Jesus Christ, you have been freed. And I don't want you to be the people. I don't want to be the people that stays in the barracks and says, I don't know if I can believe this. It just sounds too unbelievable. You see, before there was suffering, and then there was freedom of amazing liberation. Before they were captives, but after that they were free. It reminds me of Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law could not do by sending the Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. We are made free by the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if we believe in the grace and the mercy that he offered through his death and resurrection, that's that's our hope, that's our forgiveness. Believing in Jesus means we have declared war upon ourselves to be our own Savior. And we have acknowledged the fact that grace and mercy is absolutely our only hope. For, you know, for some, you just can't believe the message of freedom. But the message is this, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus Christ says, peace to you, you are free. Before, there's shackles of secrets, addictions, fear, hopelessness, insecurity, doubt. 
But now because of the hope of Jesus Christ, there is light, there is assurance, there is mercy. This is our hope. I'm freed from the power of rejection because I am profoundly loved, and love has no opposite. I'm free from the crippling power of darkness and sin because the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection Lord Jesus Christ is my power, and that light has no opposite. I am freed from being held prisoner by the world because Jesus Christ has reframed my identity and my life is now grounded in his goodness, which has no opposite. Today, the Lord says to you, listen, there's hope because there is love. There's hope because there's the love of Jesus. It's interesting that Paul says there is faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. Do you, do you ever think, gosh, why, why is the greatest love? I mean, hope and faith are pretty, are pretty important. Why is the greatest love? Here's why. Because if Jesus Christ is your Savior and you have surrendered your life to him, one day you will stand before Jesus face to face and you will be surrounded by his love. And there will be no hope and no faith because there is no need for it. You see, hope and faith are the future. They're what we hope for. They're what we long for. When we're in the presence of Jesus, there is no need for hope or faith because it's reality. It's come true. Tomorrow, it would seem foolish if I say to you, hey, I hope the Chiefs won. And let's say the Chiefs win today. I'm feeling very confident. You're going to say, didn't you watch the game yesterday? You don't, you don't have to hope anymore that the Chiefs win. The Chiefs did win. When we're in the presence of Jesus, you're not going to have to hope anymore. You're not going to have to have faith anymore because it's going to be reality. We need to realize there are some things in this world that will pass away. Maybe you have times where you go through your fridge and you pull out things that are like expired and you think, oh, man, I can't believe that's been in, in my fridge for that long. That expiration date was three years ago. Let's, let's toss that. Do you, realize, do, do you know that sin and death and church conflict and heartache in life, those have an expiration date. Sin has an expiration date. Conflict has an expiration date. Pain has an expiration date. Those things will not be here forever. Those things will eventually be gone. It's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, which brings us to the Lord's Supper, which brings us to the fact that we need to just constantly just take stock of the fact and thank God for the fact that there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. Listen, you are far more than the worst thing that you have ever done. So many people define their lives by the worst thing that they've ever done. Listen, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are far more than the worst thing that you have ever done. I love, I love, 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 love what John Stott says. He said, you know, your life does not need to be tweaked. It needs to be radically changed. You need to be saved. Because Jesus is not a slightly better version of you. You see, the essence of sin, man substituting himself for God. The essence of salvation, God substituting himself for both me and for you. All of us are spiritually poor. We're all spiritually bankrupt. And we stand before God, even when we have our very best moral efforts, we appear as beggars clothed in filthy rags. And yet in Jesus Christ, God has provided 
a righteousness for us, a wealth straight from the account of the Son of God, who through his suffering made himself poor, that we might become and receive the riches of God. So today as we partake of the meal, there is a small cup that I hope that you got. And in this there is a piece of bread and there is some juice. And this reminds us of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The bread and cup remind us of D-Day, the fact that the battle was won, that the victory was made secure. This is the body of Christ which has been broken for you. This is the blood of Christ which has been shed for you. And the worship team is going to come up, and as they play, I want you to just pray and just contemplate, and when you're ready, I want you to partake of this. But I want you to also understand this is a picture of hope. This is a picture of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. This reminds us that in Jesus Christ, we are free. I love Psalm uh, 71 and verse 14. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. We need to be a people of hope. In the Shawshank Redemption, one of the very last scenes, Red is on a bus on his way from Portland, Maine, all the way to Mexico. And as Red is on the bus, he thinks out loud, and we hear him. He says, I find that I'm so excited I can barely sit still or even hold a thought in my head. I think it's the excitement that only a free man can fill. A free man at the start of a long, long journey. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, uh, it's not fun, but it's a good thing to come to the end of ourselves, to be in situations where we are out of our resources, out of our strength, and all of our life experiences and smarts, they're not enough. And it reminds us that we need a Savior. We need the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, it's a gospel thing. It's a gospel thing to be in that place of desperately understanding that we need you. Father, we thank you for what you have accomplished upon the cross, and we thank you for the resurrection that has sealed our victory. But Father, until you come again, there are battles in this world. There are battles in this life. And in the midst of everything that we go through, we need hope. We need the future hope of what you have accomplished. We need the hope of your goodness, of your light, of your love, of Jesus Christ himself. So we bring our broken, con uh, very, very contrite, and yet conflicted, wondering hearts to you. So Father, thank you for this meal, for this bread and this juice, that they remind us of the amazing sacrifice that you made. And Father, I pray that we would take that sacrifice and lay it over all of our struggles in our life and help us to understand the hope that we can have in Jesus through it all. We give you thanks and praise in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.